Welcome to episode 296 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. You know you've wanted to launch your new business venture for a while. What's been holding you back? Often, what keeps us from starting is a lack of knowledge on what the next step should be. How do we book speaking engagements? How do you build a personal and business brand? What if we get tired and just want to stop? That's why I'm so excited to bring you your next chapter starter pack giveaway. I've partnered with eight other experts who are ready to give you the confidence you need to not just get started, but keep going as you build that stream. Experts like Bryn Tillman, who will show you how to create a winning LinkedIn strategy. Fei Wu, who will help you leverage YouTube to build your brand. And Stacey Kopas, who will share tips for finding resilience when you need it most. And all of it is free. All you have to do is go to robbysamuels.com forward slash giveaway to get your copy of the resources above and six others. It's time to write your next chapter, and we can't wait to help you. Aren't you even a little bit curious about the resources that are being given away? Find out more at robbysamuels.com forward slash giveaway. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest helps his clients be heard, recognized, and respected. As a professional networker and strategist, he helps entrepreneurs supersize their business and income by breaking through all the noise in the marketplace. He connects them to the right resources and people. He's an expert in getting business owners unstuck and increasing ease and joy in their lives through creating alternative income streams and developing proven wealth strategies. With him, you will learn how to apply the principles of the law of attraction to improve your life, relationships, and business. For 20 years, he's been the upper one-tenth of 1% income earners in his profession. He's been elected to the Multi-Level Marketing International Association Hall of Fame and was on their board of directors for 20 years. He's currently on the board of the Social Networking Association. Please join me in welcoming Robert A. Butwin. Thank you. And I'm really glad to be here and being able to share some perspectives and insights with your audience, Robbie. Awesome. Thrilled to have you here, Robert. Thanks for joining us from your place in Santa Rosa, California. As you know, this is a show where I love talking about community building and relationship building and the context of all this is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Well, actually, I just re- realized that I've got the skills to lead. It's sort of like a long journey because it really goes back to when I was in college that I, you know, I was actually a leader, but I didn't realize it then because Back when I was in college, I loved playing sports. In fact, our family started the high school war cheerleading jacket business in the 1930s. And so I would be playing sports and I would be attracting people, um, recruiting people to play in our IM sports teams. And that's where it actually started. Then when I got into the business, I had to um, go outside of the norm, even though it was our family business, because I was looking to have changes. So I'm thinking back, you know, of the you know, the aspect of where I've been a leader over these years. And ultimately, um, you know, based on what I'm doing today, I realize that I really need to lead more. And so I'm stepping out more because I take a look and I've been an entrepreneur for 49 years and I take a look at 
what's going on and that the average entrepreneur isn't really making that much money for a variety of different reasons. So I've chosen to focus on leading entrepreneurs. But as we're talking about leadership, and I want to go in a deeper because we just got done, and this is going to date this uh, broadcast with the NBA finals, you know, the basketball finals. And in Northern California, obviously, I'm a Golden State Warrior fan. And I take a look at, you know, what they've done in the last eight years in the kind of championships. And before Steve Kerr came and he had that leadership pedigree, you know, they were not even in the playoffs for many, many years. So I take a look at the culture of what really develops leaderships. And I think there's many different things, empathy, listening, um, being able to step out when you know you're right. So uh, that's a lot of what leadership means to me and what my perspective is. I love hearing some of the origin of your story because, you know, you and I met because you crossed paths with me at an event. And then next, you know, you started sending dozens of people to the events that I was hosting and your name, I would ask in chat, how'd you hear about it? And like, it just say Robert Butwin, Robert Butwin over and over again through chat. And I was like, I got to know more about this guy, Robert, which is a great way to get on someone's radar. I have to say is like being, being that person who's supporting, but I want to roll the clock, but even further back, you went back to, to college when you were playing intramural sports and before you got to work in your family business, so think back even more to like the playground, to high school. Like what kind of kid were you? Were you organizing people? Uh, were you running for office? Were you being entrepreneurial back then? You know, what kind of kid did you show up as back in the day? One word jumps out at my mind, defiant. You know, <laughs> I would, you know, I remember I was going on my first road trip. I was like 16. This isn't quite as far back as you wanted. And I'm taking my best friend and my younger brother, who's two years younger than me. And so we're going to travel across. I just bought a 1970 yellow Torino with the black spoilers. And so my dad, as he you know, got us together before we left, he says, I just want everybody to remember there's the right way, the wrong way, and Robert's way. Now, there's a story that goes along with it. You know, As we were going across country, we got into Glacier Natural Park, and we were at the tap, top of this peak. And we saw the path went off way to the right, but we could see where we were going to end up with was way to the left. And so everybody else wanted to follow the path. I wanted to go my own way. About an hour later, I hear them at the bottom going, go back, go back. I was right on the edge of this cliff. <laughs> where if I, you know, obviously there's no more where to go. So I had to backtrack in one way or the other, but I've always looked at the fact, you know, I'm going to figure it out. I don't exactly know how, but I know that I've got the belief system that I will figure things out. And it may not always go perfectly the first time, but uh, it's just, you know, first time. And for uh, what is it? Fail. Someone just told me like uh, first in first in learning, First and in learning. I can't remember. Oh, first attempt in learning. That was FAIL. That was a great acronym. Someone just recently gave that to me. First attempt in learning. I'll give you another one. For all I've learned. For all I've learned. Yeah. yeah. A good friend of mine used to say, we all have different experience. Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. The point is, does that validate your lack? Or do you use that as a stepping stone to make sure that you get whatever it is that you want? So 16 years old. You're, you're a defiant, willful, uh, self-confident, depending on which way you want to describe yourself, <laughs> um, uh, young lad, 
uh, out in the world, who did you think you were going to be? Like, what, like, was it clear you were going to go into the family business even then? I knew I was going to go in the family business. Um, you know, again, I was the oldest son, third generations. So I always expected to go in the family business. The problem was there's too much family in the family business. My grandmother was still running it, even though she was never there. And they weren't willing to adapt to change because one of the constants in life, I take a look at when I started my professional career to where it is today. You know, the one constant is change. Can things continually change? So you've got to be able to embrace and adapt to change. Yeah. And it it must've been hard, uh, you know, to come in with new ideas and there's no space for you. What, What did you do? Did you stick it out or did you go your own way? I stuck it out to September 7th, 1990. That's that 20 years. A, That's a long yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> well, six, six, 16 years to be exact, because I graduated from college in 74. Um, mm. But I was making decent money at the time. And then all of a sudden, somebody came to me uh, telling me how much money this fraternity brother of mine was making that was a few years older than me. And he said he was making like three times the amount of money in one month that I was making in a year. So I, that caught my attention. And it was all about networking. In fact, a 70-year friend of my mom, who she introduced me to last year, and he's written multiple different books, but he was like the, what I would refer to as the grandfather in networking. You know, he brought Lou Holtz, who was a prestige football coach to the University of Minnesota, which had a really bad football team. So and his name was Harvey McKay, and he written many different books. And one of them was, is Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Now, I'd like to add on to that and say, don't stop digging until you hit either gold or water. But, you know, I realized that through networking and developing relationships, that was where things are. We've all heard the saying that your net worth is in direct relationship to the value of your network. And it's not about thinking about transactions. That's one of the biggest areas where I see most people that are in networking make the mistake that they make. They're only interested in transactions. You want to shift to collaborations. How can it be a value? It's like if I do a really good job, um, if nothing else, I feel good because I shared something that would be a value to the other person, such as even on this interview or not interview, or your podcast. You know, if I do a real good job, I know I did, I did the right thing. If I did an exceptional job, I might get a few referrals. And if I did a phenomenal job, we might develop a collaboration. I want to go back a little bit to who you were in this family business for 16 years. So you already come in, you're known as as the the one who walks his own path. You've got big ideas. You want to bring them into the, into the new, new age of things. You stick it out for 16 years. Was networking the way you see it now, part of your strategy, were you already cultivating these skills back then? To a degree, you know, I, Part of the, one of the things that changed my life was listening to a cassette tape series for those listeners that remember what cassette tapes are by Wayne Dyer. And it was called No Limit Person. And, and I'll get to the point that I'll answer your question in a minute. And one of the key things I learned that I need to take responsibility for what is, because once you take it for what is, you can take it for what will be. But most people are in a state of denial. And I love the acronym of denial, which is don't even notice I am lying. They're lying to themselves by not taking responsibility. So I turned my car into a university as as I was traveling from one sporting goods store to the next. And I was learning. So I came across, for example, Larry Wilson's um, 
consultative selling, I think was what it was called. And so when I was out there calling, it wasn't where I was going in, well, let's see how many jackets I can sell. I would go in there and network, try to figure out ideas that I could share with them in relationship that would help them in their business. So I understood the foundation of networking back when I was in our family business, but it, you know, anyhow, that's where I got my, you know, the foundation of everything I did. I mean, it sounds like you were able to absorb amazing information while you're driving, you know, turned your car into university, love that. Uh, but then you were actually testing, trying out and putting into action these concepts. You weren't just reading them or listening. You were then walking into a store and trying to not just do the transaction. You were trying to build the relationship. And that that means that you had a lot of hours of practice before you decide to try something new. It wasn't uh, it wasn't completely a different a different worldview. It's just you were in a play in a slightly different arena. How did you decide to to make that leap? Was you know you heard about this good money, you you knew it was something you could do. Was that a difficult decision? Did you feel like you had a backup plan? Was it all in? Did you start well, on the side? Like how'd that get going? Well, first of all, I knew that I had to get out of the family business. And before I came across that scenario, because it, when I was young and single, I liked um, trying to find the light life partner. Let's put that this way. And I'd go to different bars and whatever nightclubs. So I ended up running the number one nightclub in the Twin Cities before I found that. Now, the, guy, the owner of the club had just sabotaged the success. So I stepped in when it was at its low point and through creative thinking, and I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I figured out how I could make that the number one nightclub. So, I mean, I had the belief system in relationship to what I could do. Again, I've continually poured my mind into personal growth kind of materials. And one of the key things that you said, I looked at everything and I was on the board of directors with a guy named Ted Nicholas in a company called Amazon Herb. But as a marketer, everything is a test. You know, I don't, you know, it's continually doing the right activities and refining the activities you're doing until you get the kind of results that you expect and demand. And then repeat it over and over. Yes. <laughs> Repeatable results is what we're all aiming for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so was this, uh, this thing that your, your friend's friend, the former, you know, the, the, um, your guys in a fraternity, right? So yes. the fraternity alum, was this, um, multi-level marketing that you're being introduced to? It was. And my first experience and you know, everything's got a funny story around it. But my first experience, because I saw it and I dove in hook, line and sinker. And within the first approximately six to eight months, I created about $102,000 worth of debt because I had deep pockets. Now, right about the same time that I came across network marketing, after I got done running a nightclub, I was, I put an ad in the personals and I met this lady and so on our first date, I, and she was 5'7", 120 pounds, I sold her $750 worth of weight loss products. The joke is, I think she was buying me, not the products. We've been happily married for 38 years. That was my first customer. My first, six, you know, after I had been doing it for about six months, figuring the relationship was getting serious, she wanted to find out where I was financially. So she took over all my books. <laughs> And so that's the only reason I know I was $102,000, 41 debts, paid them all off. Yep. Um, you know, again, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. You know, it's like I came from a fairly quality family. I needed to understand different things. I, I had to reframe it. I, if it's like if I was going to run a, 
um, a franchise. How much money would I have bought, spent then? So I had to reframe it. This was just my learning experience. And again, my belief was there. If others could do it, so could I. I would figure that out. And I did figure it out. But it does sound like you you kind of did have to dig financially into a deeper well than maybe most people have access to. And I'm also kind of frame this for the time period. This is going back a few years. So $100,000 <laughs> in those years is even more today. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> I mean, you basically would have bought a house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back then, yes, it would have been a house. It would have been a house. I mean, like that's the equivalent, right? So, um, but you also, you, you were just deeply committed, it sounds like. Yes. Now, why did you think this was going to work? I mean, you've got your own chutzpah, right? You're, you're, you're a believer, you're a hard worker. What was it about, um, and actually, if you could even explain like what, like you use, use the term, I use the term multi-level marketing and you use the word network marketing. And for those listening, could you just help us understand what do these terms mean? Like, what was the kind of thing you were doing that you were sinking $100,000 into it? Well, first of all, those, those terms are the same thing. You know, it's basically you've got, a, you've got a vested interest to help other people. It's a geometric progression. You know, you're networking. And when you find somebody that is interested in more than just using the products and they want to do it as a business, you've got a vested interest. So, you know, network marketing, multi-level marketing, I know some companies call it other things, consumer direct marketing, there's many different names, but, you know, virtually it's the same thing. It's a geometric progression. It's all about getting customers of the customers that really like it and are interested in doing it as a business. It's helping them. To me, I look at it as an alternative distribution methodology. You know, it's going away from the norm as far as a way of getting a product into the marketplace by finding other people that like it well enough that might be interested in recommending and promoting it to other people. So places that come to mind that I think fall into this model that are well-known is is Tupperware and Avon. Are those examples? They would be examples, but they don't claim that they're network marketing companies. In fact, even so, the other the companies that are more familiar today, and I can name them many of them, uh, Isogenics, Doterra, um, Herbalife, uh, let's see, Shackley, Amway. Amway is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I could go on and on. Right, um, right, right. That's so cool. I mean, I, I was sort of uh, first learned of this in, my, in college. And uh, never fell into it, but I've known people who've been in, involved in it, some very successfully. So what do you think was the most difficult decision that you were making early on when you're, when you're deciding to go into this? I mean, you, you were very committed to it, but what was it you needed that you didn't have either knowledge or a connection? Like what, what were you sort of grappling with to make this successful early on? Well, obviously you're looking to find somebody that is serious and as committed as you are you know, and somebody that is going to really go out and embrace and do the right activities. So that's what you're always looking for. The majority of the people, all they are is going to be consumers, which is great. You know, there isn't a business that is going to exist without raving fans, people that like the product, but you want to find people that like the product more than just liking the product and see, you know, it's have the vision to see it as a, a viable business. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're always looking for. And you're always, um, it was sort of like, and I could give you the analogy before I met my wife, I can't tell you how many women I dated, but it was a lot. 
But so when I finally met her, I recognized she was what I was looking for. So same thing in you know direct marketing. You're looking for people that are open-minded, willing to embrace and doing the right activities. They're coachable. And how did you decide on the products for yourself? Was it things that you were using yourself? Did you did you follow the route of become a consumer first, fall in love with it, and then decide to focus on it as another thing to distribute? Well, when I originally started, I was what you call ignorance on fire. I didn't know I didn't know. <laughs> and that's part of the reason I lost the money. It was nobody else's fault but my own, you know, taking responsibility. You know, the more I've been involved, I've become more holistic in nature. You know, early on, about I think it was probably 40 years, 50 years ago, I was watching 60 Minutes and a guy got on from a food company and he said, my job is to make the foods addictive. You know, if part of my logic and the way I look at things, if you understand that the majority of the health crisis that's going on is based on the fact that we're eating too much of the wrong foods, you know, almost every healthcare practitioner say is more plant-based nutrients. So what I was looking for was a solution, you know, a product line that was pure nutrient dense, live whole foods without the chemicals. And so that's what I ultimately found. I didn't, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but as you continually are out there doing whatever you're doing, ultimately you get much more clarity in relationship to what you're looking for and what the needs are for people. And it's really the the key in everything that we do is two aspects. We educate and we influence. If you're educated, and again, you can't influence somebody that doesn't want to be influenced. That's not what it's about. It's not about trying to manipulate somebody, but we want to educate people on how what we've got is going to be of value to them. So what it sounds like you did, which is, I think, similar to all entrepreneurs, is you had a, a market in mind. You had, you, you had identify, I guess, a problem first. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't know the market. You had an, you had an identifiable problem, uh, which is health. And in particular, how food impacts health. And so you said, okay, you know, there's a lot of obesity. People are always trying to lose weight. It's a, it's a very big market. There's all niches within it. So then you went looking for solutions. And, and other entrepreneurs who are not doing MLM network marketing are creating offers, are developing their own thing. This is about taking a proven product or a product that hopefully has been proven that has brand recognition and then you're like, is there a match between what this product is doing and whether the market actually likes it? And so you you had a lot of trial and error to find the right fit yeah. between the right thing to promote and the right people to promote it to, which by the way, every one of us is doing. We're just, you know, I'm in a thought leadership space. I don't sell products in the same way that you're talking about products, right? For me, it's ideas more than anything. Um, but that, thank you. That's actually... In some ways, I think I've had a little bit of a negative association with a lot of this because the people who are new to MLM can become very excitable. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, and, and I've I've had the same experience with new uh, real new realtors um, who are just super excitable. They're trying to build their portfolio. They're trying to you know they're trying to they're trying to get traction. And I think whenever someone does that, is is a, is a little uh, overzealous. <laughs> and you're like, well, you know, but you've been at this for a very long time. So why do you think you've been successful in this space? Like, what is the qualities that you're bringing forth that others could learn uh, to, to emulate in some way? Well, part of the qualities has gotten down to, and it's sort of like networking's like opening a bank account. You need to make deposits. 
before you can make withdrawals. So when I, and again, when you're in networking kinds of situations, it's not to sit back and try to pitch the people you're there with. You want to say something that people say, I want to get to know each other. So that's the first step. Now you set a one-on-one where you get, where you really get the opportunity. So normally when I set a one-on-one, it's not to try to get them in a network marketing company. It's understanding where they're at in relationship to where they want to be. Because the biggest thing we're selling is results, not in the network marketing, just the results that I can help you do that. I've created what I call a vault. And it's part of what you're creating with you know, creating quality interviews of insightful people that will help them. And that's how you guide them to wherever you want to guide them to. So I've got a vault that I can share with people because my focus is helping them. And if I help them and I tell them upfront, I'm looking for collaborations. I'm looking for joint ventures, but let me first focus on helping you in relationship to what you're doing. And they can feel my authenticity. And, you know, that's really the thing that's, you know, worked for me. Now, I'm about this close to cracking the code. And the reason why I'm going to crack the code is based on the law of attractions. I've attracted the right people around me. I love the acronym of team, which is together, everybody achieves miracles. And I've found people that can do the things I don't want to do. So I can stay in my state of genius, which is either networking or having conversations, meaningful conversations like we're having right now that will help other people break through, accelerate, their success in relationship to what they're doing. So um, I love that acronym. Another one I hadn't heard before. <laughs> so um, I think it's smart. You have to fill in, uh, create, create the environment around you, the people around you that are going to help you balance out with you know, your blind spots, what you're really good at, you want to be able to focus on. Um, so I'm a professional speaker. And part of as you're speaking about this, what makes me think of also is that um, I'm a member of the National Speakers Association. And there are people in there who, are speakers. And yep. then there are speakers who also sell services to other speakers to help other speakers become better at the speaking yes. business. Uh, and that could make, you know, it could be everything from stage presence to uh, teaching them how to do better LinkedIn, whatever. Right. And so um, you have sort of moved from being the person who's mainly focusing on building your business by selling whatever the company's products are that you were um, doing network marketing for you're also providing the support to people who want to get into that work and do it well and do it like you are. Uh, the word authentic does get misused and overused and whatnot, but you know, it's, when it's genuine, it's genuine, right? Like, like when you, people have to know you really are rooting for them. Um, so when did you start making that shift? Because it's like this body of knowledge you accumulate over time. When did you go from, I'm a person who's trying to move a product and line other people up who want to also sell this product. And I'm solely focused on that to realizing you had sort of figured that out. And now you wanted to shift your model to now being the mentor to others who want to get into this space. Probably about the same time you made the shift in 2020 of March. (laughs) You know, it opened up a whole new aspect. In fact, I started even networking. That's when we started, when we originally met each other, talking about speakers, a friend of mine who I met through networking, do you know Sam Richter? Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, because he's got a real good system that will help you get in front of the right people. So, but, you know, again, I realize the more that I can help other people, and I think Zig Ziglar said it, said it the best, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but you can get everything that you want by helping other people get what they want. And, and I, I really totally believe that to be the case. Um, you, you know, I believe in the mastermind concept, you know, associating with people that are 
quality people around you. And uh, I think in my book, which I wrote in 1994, I said, your income is the average income of your 10 best friends. Now, a lot of other people, and it wasn't necessarily my original thought, but I really believe the fact that based on the people you hang around with, um, that will have an impact on the things that you're going to do. Was the product that you, or the product line that you were supporting in 2020 impacted by the pandemic? Was there a, a correlation in that way? Yeah, most most direct marketing companies had a very positive impact. Uh, no, I mean, were you feeling like you had to make a shift to a different kind of oh. uh, mo- income model because the, what you were doing, maybe people were being nervous about their incomes, they weren't spending as much. Was there some shift in, in what you were selling and how you could sell it? It wasn't what I was selling. It's recognizing the point of pain of other people. If I understand where other people you know, the challenges that they're having. And I know that I've got the power in my abilities to help other people. And and again, it's demonstrating upfront that I'm there to help them, you know, and many of the times nothing happens from it. But again, I walk away knowing that I did what I was supposed to do because I shared valuable insight. So it just logically made sense. And I just made that shift accordingly. So if I'm teasing this out, it sounds like there was a whole bunch of people who suddenly realized they could do something remote. Yes. And wanted to have uh, be the captain of their own destiny. And uh, entrepreneurship was going to be their thing, but they also didn't know what they were doing. And they didn't have a product. They didn't have a skill. They didn't, have, you know, they didn't have an expertise to sell, but they were motivated. And so what you were offering them was a, was a, a guided tour of how to move into the space uh, thoughtfully as opposed to just doing what you did, which is buy a house worth of product in the process of trying to figure it out. And by the way, just so you know, I didn't buy a house. I just started running ads. I did a lot of the marketing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, same. It was the equivalent. Same difference, yes. Yeah, the house exactly. would have actually been a better investment as far as like, you know, it's going to eventually turn into some more money. But you were not sure and you, you happen to make it work. Yes. So this is really interesting. You saw, you, it was the same, a lot of people in 2020, it became very popular to help people run online courses. And, you know, like we, we knew there's a, there's a boom of entrepreneurship that's coming out of 2020 um, and people being willing to think differently about their lives because the security that they thought they had from their jobs was suddenly no longer as secure. Um, so they were a little more open. Um, what, what's it been like now? Like if I were meeting with someone, here's, here's a question. If I were meeting with someone, how would I know that they were in the right place in mind and, and, purpose to introduce them to you for this, for this idea of being in this space? How, how would I know is the right kind of person introduced to you? Very simple. If they're not getting the kind of results, which is almost everybody that they want, they should talk to me. I'm not going to sit back and charge them or anything else like that. So it's Again, someone who's I, already in this space? In any kind of space, as any kind of entrepreneur, I've got an acronym. My, my ideal people are based on cash, C-A-S-H. Coaches, authors, speakers, and holistic practitioners, holistic-minded people. So that's the CASH. You know, anybody that is trying to break through the noise, trying to figure out what they need to do. Again, I've come up with what I believe is the 18 pieces to put your puzzle together. And one strategy that I made that was really instrumental in me making millions of dollars. So it's the 18 key pieces and the one strategy. And I'm happy to share that with anybody at no cost. Because again, I know the more I give, it comes back to me in different ways. 
So this is interesting. You started out in your family business, which has something to do with creating uniforms in sports. Is that right? Yeah. High school wore chilling jacket. Anybody that lettered or, you know, Amazing. The jacket, jackets, yes. Someone had to make it. And so that was about one family doing that in case you're wondering. All right. So you go from there, you get into network marketing, you find some companies, you eventually find ones you really like, you learn a bunch of skills, and then you realize that you don't need to limit what you're learning to just the network marketing space, but you can apply it to people who are doing coaching, authoring, authoring, is that authoring? And coaches, yeah. authors, speakers, and holistic practitioners. And so that's fascinating. Like if you had to pick one of those, what is the one that you feel is been sort of the biggest connecting, you know, they really understand what you're doing. It really kind of fits. I, it's, I really can't pick one. And the reason why is what my, my, bigger strategy is people that are looking to get their message into the marketplace, which is, you know, most of these coaches have challenges, same thing with speakers, you know, I mean, they get. So they're all thought leaders then in some way, they're they're not really a product, like physical, tangible product per se, they're, they're idea makers who are trying to, to share their big thoughts and ideas. That makes sense. I mean, you, that's those people that I float around with as well. (laughs) Those are all, those are all my people. Um, so what's, what has been challenging with this shift? Is there, has anything been new and different in the last couple of years? You've had to rethink things and, and you can't come up with these 18 points and this one strategy and you had to start refining what that is. Was that already laid out or did that start to get laid out as you decided to do this? No, I, you know, the more I continually think in relationship to what's going on with other people, it's not about myself. That's why I've come up with this whole strategy and the pieces of the puzzle. Um, but the challenge, you know, in reality is finding the right people that are as committed and serious as you are and that are coachable, that are willing to learn. You know, I mean, um, again, the biggest thing we're always dealing with, no matter what we're dealing with, is other person's perception. The root of the word perception is precept. It's their fixed idea based on the messaging, the messaging that we're communicating. So, you know, it's breaking through um different beliefs in relationship to where they're at, making sure that our messaging is clear. Um, anyhow, that, yeah. that's the biggest challenge. Robert, earlier you mentioned law of attraction and as another thing that um, the, the way I sort of live in the world to show up and, and experience the world, people have often brought this up to me um, and I have not been trained. Uh, I'm actually taking a, cl- a course right now. We're talking about um, creating luck, which has been a yeah. fascinating about it's a quantum physics based um, really interesting. But prior to that, I really didn't, I didn't have training in this, but it's just sort of how I've always lived in the world. Mm-hmm. So if you could just introduce this concept a little more, um, how did, and how did you first learn about it? Well, first of all, I want to talk about luck for a second. Another acronym you might've heard of, you might not laboring under correct knowledge. That's really all luck is. So ultimately, as far as the law of attraction, it started off and again, a lot of it is just out there doing, you, you know, what in the law of attraction, the one thing that the secret didn't talk about is the actions necessary. You can't just think, I mean, it might work occasionally, but occasionally isn't good enough for me. So I want to make sure that whatever I do is going to work. So I take a look at, for example, everything from when I started working at our family business, but when sports were and how I was able to, you know, increase sales one year over half a million dollars back in the um, late seventies to how I met my wife. Now she wasn't the first lady I dated. I dated many 
other people. And I finally found the, you know, the person that we've been happily married for 38 years. So, I mean, again, it's about attracting, you know, the right person. How do you attract the right lifestyle? You know, you've got some kind of a vision in relationship to what, what it is that you want to have happen. You've got the belief system that you're going to make it happen, but you've got to get in action. You've got to do something. It's just not going to fall from the sky and happen unless you go out and make it happen. So going back to what Nike used to say, just do it, get out there and do it. I really appreciate hearing that part because I do, I do agree that sometimes people spend all their time visualizing success and then their brain kind of goes, oh, we've done it already. Great. Look, like we're good. Instead of thinking about like visualize the path and visualize all the steps and then go and do them <laughs> and then see where you land and yeah. then learn from that and then do it again and then do yes. it again. You know, <laughs> yeah, refine. It goes back to what we said of failing for all I've learned. You take yeah. in essence, the things you've learned and you continually go forward and refine the things you're doing until you create the kind of results that you expect. So you're a person that I know is just really good at networking. And it's a question I ask all my guests, you know, you've got your sort of inner circle of people that you know, you're going to stay in touch with, but then there's sort of the second and third layer or tier out the people you see once a year at a conference, or you work with them five years ago, but you haven't since I should preface this by saying these are people you like, <laughs> you wouldn't, you would enjoy seeing them again. Um, what habits, philosophies, or practices do you have to, to nurture and sustain those kinds of weaker ties? You know, it's amazing you asked me that question because just yesterday I picked up the phone, people that I liked, people that had major impact that I haven't probably spoken to in six months to a year. But I just called to pick up the phone and stay, you know, say hi, see how they're doing, just catch up. And that's it. So, you know, I'm old fashioned in that area. I mean, I believe in having a real conversation by picking up the phone. And do you have a list of people? Uh, do you have a CRM? Do you have a second index cards or business cards? Like, how are you keeping track of people? Is it just all in your head? Uh, for the most part, I mean, I, you know, I've got an Apple phone, so all I have to do is look, go down the A's, the B's, see who, you know, and whoever j- jumps out. It's sort of like, you know, you and I met a long time ago, and you're going down your list of people, and all of a sudden my name jumped out at you. You know, I do the same thing. You know, it's like you've got your core, the people that you've got ongoing businesses, but from time to time, you just have to sit back and go through your list of all the people in your contact list and see who, what speaks to you. I love that you brought up your phone because a lot of people, um, you know, my latest book, Smallest Big Results, it, everyone worries they don't have a big enough email list. And then we talk, you know, a lot of times the conversations about their LinkedIn and I always say you'd be surprised by the number of people you have in your phone contacts because you've had a cell phone for a very long time and you keep importing contacts from one device to the other. So you can have people in there from years and years and years ago. I mean, I found people from 14 years ago on my phone. Um, so it's often that, that, that exercise of just scrolling through. Um, and then my phone contact syncs to my Gmail contacts. So if you want to just do it on your computer, you can do it that way. And another thing I've learned from someone was to look at who I sent a text message to a year ago. So randomly throughout the year, I will just scroll back to a year earlier and just see in those few months before and after that, you know, this point, you know, who was I talking to? And then sometimes that helps me think of somebody I haven't talked to in a while. Um, 
so, I mean, there's a little bit of you setting some time aside to do that. Is, is there a, is there a, a regular cadence to how often you do th- do this scrolling through? Is it just when you have a moment, like what, what, what inspires you to do that? You know, it's, I, to me, it's just random. Do I do it once a month? Maybe once every other month, probably, you know, it's just what I've, when, when the earth says, who should I be connecting with now that I haven't talked to for a while? And that's and I'm sure amazing things are probably happening from those impromptu moments. Um, and, and now you you brought up another thing. You said you just call them and does that in this t- today's culture, this feels completely random. You will call without scheduling. Like you just call and see if they're available. And if they answer, they answer. The answer is yes. But I mean, normally I work with a calendar. So, you know, unless somebody, I mean, these are people that I haven't talked to for a while, but when I'm first meeting somebody, it's like set a time on my calendar. If there's people that I'm working with, they've got the freedom and they know me well enough that they know that if they call and I can't pick up the phone, I'll call them back at a, uh, whenever, as soon as possible. But if you think to reach out to me, if you see my name on your, on your phone contacts list, do you call or do you email? Do you text? It'd be one of probably the two. I'd either call or text. Call or text. Based on, based on the relationship. Yep. You know, it might be, you know, I haven't, you know, spoken with you for a lot while. Let's catch up. Or it could be around a holiday. I might go, you know, send you like yesterday was Father's Day. So it might be happy Father's Day and see if you respond. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, then you just also the idea of using an external thing like a, like an, a, a holiday. I happen to really like sending um, New Year's Day. Uh, I'll spend like the three or four days after New Year's. I'll spend a lot of time, a little downtime usually, but I'll send people text messages or private messages because everybody's celebrating this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have to sit there and wonder about their religion or their faith or, or whether or not they have kids or how they identify or anything. It's like the calendar has moved to the next day. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all in this new year now. Um, so yeah, so using some external thing could be really helpful. Are there any other um, insights that come to mind for how you manage it? You know, you're, you're really good at sort of networking, introducing people, uh, suggesting people connect with each other. Like how, how are you keeping track of all of that? Is that just as you think of it or is there some other scheme behind it? There's another scheme behind it in relationship to what I'm doing. And what I've created is what I call vault. It could be called a treasure chest one way or the other. But anybody that I do a, like a one-on-one with, and it's like, it's a place that I store different interviews, my networking list, which your networking list appears on that or things like that, resources that would be valuable. So I give them, if I have a one-on-one, I give them free access. And I've also set it up as an affiliate for people that want another way of making money so that they can have a discount code in one way or the other. But so every time I add something new to the vault, I send them an email. I just did a great interview with Robbie. You want to probably plug into it so you can listen to it. So it's the way of staying in contact with them where I'm continually being a value because I'm, it's how you position yourself as somebody that can help them create the kind of results, whatever those results are that they want. And so I'm always dealing with anything around entrepreneurship. I love that. Uh, you just mentioned a networking list. That's a list of places you'd like to network online. Yes. It's a list of that. And I'm happy to send you, send that to you after we get off of this. It's grown to over 50 different networking things that are online 
you know, then you've got different lists of podcasts that you can find, which I've, you know, I've got a variety of different podcasts. So again, part of what I want to do in networking, besides whatever I can, the insights I can share. So I want to guide them to resources that will allow them to create the success that they're looking for. It's not about me. It's about them. I love this. It's actually giving me some really great ideas. I recently launched a membership group called the uh, con- um, Content and Connection Club. I just stumbled on that. Content and Connection Club. And um, I've been trying to think of like what other resources to put in. And I there's certain networking things I'd love going to. And I could definitely create a resource to explain what those are. Um, you know, you were mentioning all these interviews and things like that. I have so much of that that I haven't shared in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people will get insights, right? So um, thank you for the ideas. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. definitely have to stew on that and see what we can we can add to our version of that vault idea. Yes. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, uh, you and I are definitely keep staying in touch. I love crossing paths with you, Robert. Uh, but let's say I remember that it's a year since this interview. And I say, you know, wow, it's been a year. You know, what what is it we're going to be celebrating a year from now? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? What, what I would want to be celebrating would be the um, the different people that we had such a positive impact in their life. I'm sure you've seen the parable of the starfish thrower. You know, I made a difference to this one. You know, how could we make a difference? I mean, obviously, there's so much misinformation in the world. There's so much confusion. One of the things I said a long time ago, confused mind's natural state is immobility. You know, what I'd like to be celebrating would be us being able to make a difference with a lot more people so that we can have a much more positive impact in the world. Well, I would definitely toast to that. I can't wait to celebrate it with you. Robert, how can people find you and follow your work? The easiest way to find me is either email me, which is my last name, butwin at gmail.com. Just remember with Robert Butwin, you do nothing but win. Or you can just go to my calendar link, calendly.com forward slash Butwin, B-U-T-W-I-N. I love it. I will put those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Thank you for sharing this conversation with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Robert. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 296. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance. Look forward to connecting again next week. And I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.